Welcome to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. Sam and Mick with you. Mick, uh, it is Super Bowl week. It's a little sad that it's not a Bengals Super Bowl week, but uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I haven't really been following any of the Super Bowl news. Uh, is that depression kind of or busy? Up. No, busy, busy. Hours of work have ramped up starting this week. Uh, so I haven't really looked at any of like the Super Bowl headlines and stuff. Uh, I I imagine there probably isn't much that's noteworthy. You, have you heard anything or? No, I mean, it's I know that I think the biggest news and I use news very lightly, at least the thing that stood out to me the most was uh, a reporter. And it might have been a kid reporter asked Patrick Mahomes said, if you could do a fantasy draft of a team but not current Chiefs, like who would you have as your wide receivers of all time? <laughs> and, and he said, and do you know what his answer was? No, I don't. It was, I, it was inter- So one of them is probably pretty easy to guess, and I think it's kind of a cop-out answer. He went with Tyreek uh, Tyree, Hill. Tyreek yeah, Hill. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but okay, I'll allow it. I mean, he, he does have the rapport with Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill might it's probably the best receiver in football. So, I mean, I can't. can't the other one he went with was a guy that went to maybe the most overrated college on the planet. Um, I mean, just, just an awful college that Matthew McConaughey should have resigned the minute he got hired as the coach. And then the final guy he picked. Oh, he's talking about Randy Moss? Randy Moss? Randy Moss. Oh, yeah. Randy Moss. Great. And then the, the final one was Jamar Chase. No way. Jamar Chase. No way. He picked Jamar. He did. He picked I don't Jamar like Chase. That. Patrick, stop actively recruiting my guy. Oh, listen, he's, he, can't bring, he can't bring Jamar. Jamar doesn't even like the Chiefs. Like, I love that Jamar Chase kind of came out and did that. And then did, did the other news, speaking of people that don't like it, that came out this week was, did you see all Vontez's comments? And I couldn't tell whether this was... <laughs> This was something that was like a podcast recorded like years ago and has just now come to light. But you I, thought see it was him, I thought it was him on like Twitch or something playing video games. And I don't know, it. but I, I loved it. Um, I loved it. I was I was always one to give Vontaz the benefit of the doubt. Like, I think I'm just a gullible person because he's obviously doing this stuff really dirty. And I'm just like, like the Antonio Brown hit in the playoffs. Like everybody's talking about, like that's the dirtiest hit of all time. And the whole time I'm just like thinking, you know, that that play was just going at such a fast pace and, and Vontaze just clearly missed. Um, But, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think he clearly uh, intended to do that on Antonio Brown? I don't know. It's so hard to tell with the play. Like you said, it's moving so fast and so on. And I I don't know. But at the same time, I I think that everyone likes to point to that play being like, oh, that's the moment Antonio Brown went crazy. I'm like, well, I don't I, I don't know that you're blaming one hit for that. I don't know. Antonio Brown's now like kind of fueling that narrative a little more, too, because like half of his ex posts are. Like him refer, just, referencing it X. I feel like I you, you got to start calling it. You might X. be the first person that I've ever heard actually refer to it as X. You got you got to start calling it X at some point. Okay, it's been X for I'm a out. while now. I'm out. It will um, always be Twitter to me. 
I mean, that's that's your that's your call, man. I think that's the majority of people's call calls uh, regarding that. But if you look at the majority of Antonio Brown's uh, posts, like a lot of them are referring to, to CTE, and then a lot of other ones are referring to like, um, like I, I'm NSFW just... uh, material. I, I'm more just impressed that you're actually keeping track of the Antonio Brown Twitter fiasco. Well, so no, like, it's more. I mean, it's more Kaylee and Aaron, honestly, because oh, like, okay. yeah, they follow his Twitter, and obviously, there's some just wacky stuff on there that that gets a lot of traction. So he, I think it's just he's got a lot of um, there's a lot of activity going on there. There's something going on there, but that's not necessarily why we're here this evening. We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to hit up some of the news headlines because really there's only one and it came out about two hours ago that we'll talk about relating to the Bengals. I, I don't really know that there's a lot for us to talk about about it, but I know that Mick is an expert in the category, so we'll talk about that. Ooh. Mick, do you news is? Please tell me it's just in about like taxes or something. No, no, you're actually an expert in this category. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Oh, and then sweet. Cool. Uh, Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic, each year they do a great job. They put together what they call their mock off-season worksheet. And what we did is Mick and I have both put together our own. Mick has gone rogue and changed it a little bit to make everything <laughs> work. So we'll talk about, and we're going to go through and make our predictions and what we would do if we were Duke Tobin and the Bengals on this note. So I think it'll be interesting for us to dive through that. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the Super Bowl as far as our pick. Uh, if we're looking for anything, I don't really know. We'll talk about that as it goes along. But without further ado, are you ready for this big news mix? Since I'm not sure you saw it. Uh, Yeah. The Bengals are looking for a new safeties coach. Oh, After Robert it was announced Livingston. today that Robert That's Livingston, a... <laughs> it's it's rumored or reported that Robert Livingston, the Bengals safety coach, will be heading to become Deion Sanders' defensive coordinator at Colorado. So, Mick, I ask you, who will be the next safeties coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, since I know you are absolutely an expert on NFL safeties coaches? Uh, not somebody that's in-house. I agree. And I, I don't think it should be. I think they need to go outside and find new blood into that room because I think it'll be really interesting too because that safety room is incredibly young. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know much about Rob Dillingham. And I'll be, I don't know. How long has he been the coach? The safety Rob season? Dillingham? Yeah. Rob Dillingham is the Kentucky point guard. So he's not been the coach. But Robert Livingston... Ah, oh, Robert. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Listen, Livingston. I'll talk about Rob Rob Dillingham all day on this podcast. He's like, he's like, isn't he like a, a six man, but like plays like the most minutes out of anybody on the team? He's one of the leading scorers, but he is the six man coming off the bench. Sixth and seventh. It's they don't really have. They have like co mm -hmm. six man with. And now we're talking about UK basketball, which I don't think most people care. Well, about. that's the way college basketball kind of goes, yeah. right? It's got like it seven is. players that, that they is. really but. Robert Livingston has is actually one of the longest tenured coaches on the Bengals. He's a Marvin holdover. Oh, really? Oh, so maybe he, maybe we don't because my initial thought on this was that um, I don't know the safeties were probably the worst position group uh, on the team last year. 
But I know he's been given a lot of credit as well for helping develop Jesse Bates and Von Bell and turning them into one of the best duo safeties in the league. So that's where it's kind of one of these things that I'm not entirely sure how I should feel about it. Yeah. No, I'm going to retract not somebody in-house because, yeah, your argument you just made completely turns it on its head there, right? I mean, that's... So he dates back to at least Jesse and in the Jesse and Vaughn. Let's see. He's on, um, he's on, was on Zach's original staff and he was on Marvin's last staff and he was a scout for the Bengals prior to that. He's been with the Bengals about as long as Dan Pitcher. So that is a, it is a void. If anything else, it's been continuity in that room. And I, I'm just interested as to who will take that job because I mean, Zach Taylor has been known to look anywhere to find new coaches. I mean, you think of the, the running back coach Hill. He came from Tulsa, I think, if my memory's right, or Tulane or something. He was the running back coach there. Mm-hmm. So he's not afraid. Troy Walters, the wide receiver coach, he came from Nebraska. So Zach Taylor will go anywhere to find a new coach. And I'm sure he's probably had a, a list of some guys that could potentially fill into that void. But I'll just be very interesting to see, uh, interested to see who they end up going to fill a void. Because I think it would be probably a fairly attractive job, too, because there's a lot of a lot of youth in that secondary and really a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, well, best of luck to coach Livingston, uh, as he goes and coaches with, uh, with Dion promotion defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's, it's one of those that you never heard his name be mentioned as a guy that even I know, like all the conversation was last off season is okay. Lou leaves. Who's going to be the new defensive coordinator? You know, would they promote somebody? But it was never him that got mentioned. It was always, you know, James Betcher, who's the linebacker coach that would be promoted. So that's why I'm always intrigued now is, was Robert Livingston really kind of the next guy in line for that position? Or did Rob Livingston say, hey, I'm not the next guy in line, but I want to be. So now I can go to a school like Colorado, play, uh, have a lot of really good talent, show myself, and then come back to the NFL in a couple of years as an established defensive coordinator. I don't know. I'm reading in between the lines and I don't really know how to look about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say maybe not that maybe not that he was, uh, that he thought he wasn't the next in line, but also kind of realizing um, Lou's probably never getting a head coaching gig. I mean, I'm going to, I'll call it like I see it with Lou. In the head barring an elite defense, barring an elite defense, I think next year. And I don't even think that happens, honestly, because you know Vic Fangio is having elite def- defenses in you know well into his sixties, and yeah, the Broncos took it took a gamble on him, and look how that turned out. I mean, the guy was fired within uh, within three seasons. I think. I think he was uh, fired halfway into his third season or uh, at least after his third season he was fired so i mean older defensive-minded head coaches i just don't think are the way that nfl organizations want to go now i know we just saw dan quinn get hired by the commanders but he's still kind of on the younger end or he's still younger than lou i believe and also um, he went to a super bowl he went to a super bowl yeah, he, he he's not a first-time head coach. Um, and also, I think he was like the commander's last resort. 
Like they were, yeah. they were tabbed. They were, they were connected to Ben Johnson uh, for, I would say, the majority of the head coaching cycle here. And then and even there was some Harbaugh buzz early, but mm-hmm. I don't really know that that was ever more than there just. Might have been like a little bit of Belichick buzz, but not really. I mean, I think Ben Johnson was clearly their their guy. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And who knows, maybe by the next time we do this podcast that the Bengals will have a decision on who their next safeties coach will be. But I don't know, because I, I, you know, I don't know that I could name you another safeties coach in the NFL. So because of that, I think it's good for us to move on and jump into this mock off season that Mick and I have gone through again. This is a spreadsheet done by Paul Daner Jr. from The Athletic. And he does a really good job each offseason in creating this and going step by step of allowing you to really make the decisions and act as if you're Duke Tobin. Now, on this, Mick and I both realize, is it perfect? No, it, it, it's hard for it to be perfect because there are so many factors that can go into all of this. You know, guys making more money, guys making less money, guys getting, uh, you know, backloaded pay, front-loaded contracts, and so on. There's so much to dive into that, but still, it's kind of fun to make some of the decisions for the offseason as if we are Duke Tobin and the Cincinnati Bengals on this. So yeah, I'm really this, excited to do this. Yeah, and so Mick and I have already created what our spreadsheets say and on these decisions. We do not know what the other person has done. I think we we spoiled one note on it. But other than that, we are completely open for what can happen and what could potentially happen for the Bengals offseason coming here. So, Mick, I think let's first just start with, you know, quarterback position for the Bengals next year is solidified. Joe Burrow yeah. is your starter. Jake Browning is your backup. Yeah, and you want to just next- do this position by position? Yes, and I think that makes okay. the most sense. And I think to go into the next slot – it's running back. And I think that to me is one of the first decisions of the offseason. And I think the first one goes is that we get the option to do we want to release Joe Mixon or do we want to keep Joe Mixon as RB1 next year? So, Mick, I ask you in your mock offseason, what decision did you make? Did you keep Joe Mixon around? And his for his contract, or did you release him and save five point eight against the cut against the cap? Um, I kept I kept Joe Mixon. I still think Joe Mixon, uh, with his contract value and with the cap hit, still provides a lot of value to the team. Um, I think he I think I think he's a pretty uh, high value guy. I think that him and Brown showed uh, a little bit of promise towards the end of last or this past season. Um, you know, I think before Brown came back, the backfield just as a whole looked like a one trick pony. And that's why the running game wasn't looking as great as it could have. Uh, but you kind of saw Mixon uh, playing a little bit more efficiently. Um, as Brown was getting more integrated into the backfield and and and, and into the running uh, the run game snaps, um, so I think for, that I saw enough from Mixon to think that he still has something to 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 provide to this team. And I think there are other positions that that the Bengals should prioritize over over running back. For me, it this was the easiest decision of the offseason. Mm-hmm. and I. I call Joe Mixon into, the, into my front office. If I am GM, GM Sam Gormley, 
you know, I get to smile and be the GM. I'm going to say, Joe, I appreciate your time here, but we're going to move on. I I just, I I think that you can do better than Joe Mixon right now. Um, And what I'm doing is I am then taking kind of solidify. So luckily, Mick, we're already different in this is we have making the decision of I am cutting Joe Mixon. You're keeping him. So I am really sliding Chase Brown into RB1 on my sheet, but I'm not really classifying a starting running back on either side of it. And instead, I'm looking to free agency, and I am signing a a bargain guy, more so just based on a cheaper guy to share the load with Chase Brown, and I'm going to sign a guy by the name of A.J. Dillon. Probably cheaper. Um, and, and let's look at it this way. Ch- why he's going to be on the cheaper realm is he's coming off of probably his worst season as a pro, but here's to me, the stat that stands out the most to me, and it, it's an analytic of sort Mick, but I'm not sure how you feel about success percentage for rushing attacks. So what that is, is a successful rush gains at least 40% of the yards required on first down, 60% on second down and 100% on third or fourth down. So that is you're you're you are becoming a successful running back and having the impact in that. I think it's a good way to tell and differentiate good running backs from great running backs and so on. AJ Dillon this past season had his lowest success total of his career, and that was 50% on rushes. Joe Mixon on the other side, his success percentage was 49.4 meaning that Joe Mixon's or that A.J. Dillon's worst season is still better than what Joe Mixon did this year. In fact, Joe Mixon's best season ever for rushing success percentage was last season at 52.4. So to me, you're saying that I can save $4 million or I guess $3 million and, and get younger in that room and get potential more success? To me, it's a no decision and a no-brainer. So we're talking about saving four million dollars. I mean, how much is AJ Dillon valued at? Three million. Three million. Correct. So, so I mean, it's that, really saving. I, it's really saving three million dollars. I mean, I, I think that's a very valid way to to think about it. Now, the only thing I'd I'd even I'd counter that with is that Mixon I think provides a little more versatility, especially in the pass game. Uh, I think he's slightly more athletic than Dylan. Uh, and then we just haven't really seen Dylan have uh, big workloads. And I know that you're kind of going for a running back by committee thing. So I'm guessing you're you're really wanting to just evenly split carries between Dylan and Brown because it, I feel like three million to a running back kind of screams RB2 to me in a way. Um and would you would you make Chase Brown the more feature back in the offense between the two? See, I don't know that. And and honestly, you want to know what else I'm doing? Is I'm drafting another Chase Brown this year. Get a guy in yeah. those mid-rounds, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that, and try and see if you get another hit. Before McCaffrey, that- this is what Shannon, Kyle Shanahan loved to do. Like yeah, you were you- having a new like six-round running back just randomly take over the spotting the the starting the starting role within the offense. Uh, you know, it was Matt Breida one year, it was uh it was Elijah Mitchell the other. Uh, you know, I think I think that's a pretty good uh area of practice to be in there. 
and that's why I think an AJ Dillon to me is a is a stop you know a stopgap almost. You're putting him in there. He's going to be relatively cheap. He's still relatively young. It's just it's it's also funny to me, Mick, saying that AJ Dillon is younger than us. And we're like, yep, he, you know, he's still getting up there in age a little bit. It's like, my goodness, like, are we, <laughs> we're finally at the age, but as a running back, you know, he's 20, he'll be 26. So he's had four years and, you know, running back shelf life is not that long, meaning that this is probably one of his final, if not final contracts. So I think it's a good fill the gap. And then you're hoping that either Chase Brown turns into what you hope, or maybe that guy that you draft in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I'm just dropping a name just because I'm the Kentucky guy, like a Ray Davis or something like that. You're hoping that you can get a guy in there who can fight for some of those carries. And if it turns out you draft the next, uh, and now, of course, I can't remember his name, uh, running back for the Chiefs, Mick. Why can't I uh, remember his name now? From Rutgers. Running back from the Chiefs. From Rutgers. Who's the starting running Isaiah back for the Pacheco. Chiefs? Pacheco. If you get Isaiah Pacheco, thank you brain fart completely there if you get isaiah pacheco then you're feeling good and it's just three million but here's the thing if you keep joe mixon is joe mixon's gonna want a bunch of the carries so you're not gonna be able to what you to see what you have in a chase brown or a fourth fifth sixth seventh round pick so that's why i'm making that decision and and if they bring back mixon i'm not gonna be like upset but i just don't think it's the right move and yeah. I know it's not that's not a popular take. In fact, you can look at the comment section. It's not a popular take, but I think it's the right take. No, I mean, I think if there's a free agent running back that they're probably they probably should go after if they do decide to move on from Mixon. I think AJ Brown is is clearly the best co- candidate there because uh, as I've mentioned before, um and Addison, we are going to talk about the wide receivers uh coming up next so so just stay tuned on that um well i can't even remember what the hell i was saying uh <laughs> we were talking about aj Dillon and um, fitting the yeah, boy AJ Dillon is probably going to say more than like a zach moss right i or think he's more than anybody else in the draft class i think devin singletary is the only other one that would be close but um if i'm looking for a new running back i'm looking for somebody that offers something different from chase brown uh, you know, there's a lot of these running backs in here, and I, I and I'm not talking about like the the top dollar guys because we shouldn't be signing a running back for for top dollar, given the fact we are paying the most expensive quarterback in the NFL right now, um, and about to pay the most expensive wide receiver potentially. Potentially, yeah, yeah. Jamar, there, it's definitely a real possibility that Jamar is going to get. Uh, yeah, because it's going to turn paid. into this arms race, just like with the Herbert Burrow Hurts. Yeah, Jefferson will get his contract. Chases will be just a little bit more, and you're just going to see this little game every single year with that. Now, is now that that's am, just how it'll go. I I am a little uh, interested in the wide receiver market to see what happens, just because you have seen a, a huge influx of young wide receivers that produce in their rookie year. Um. Are you going to see the running or the wide receiver market uh, kind of react to that in a way where, well, teams aren't really going to be willing to pay top dollar for a wide receiver. They just they can just go out and draft a guy, right? Uh, you know that we've seen so many young receivers just completely take the league by storm, and I just I I'm really interested to see what the market's gonna how the market's gonna react to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, 
running backs, I think AJ Dillon was definitely like the best free agent available that the Bengals should go after. But I just don't see why you'd move on from Joe for AJ Dillon other than the cap savings. And that's why I'm doing it because I'm going to pay that cap money to other ways, which we could talk about as it goes along. Wide receiver one, the first decision that we have to make. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a front office decision. I don't really know that it's even going to be a decision as all as we have the decision to make of whether an extension for Jamar Chase will come this offseason. Nick, I think this one's pretty easy, and it's to me nothing against Jamar Chase. I just think that that will be a next year decision. He'll play on the fifth year option. You know, they'll they'll give that out, and then we'll make that decision next offseason. Uh, but my thoughts on this are, you know, the number one priority for the offseason in training camp and anything leading up to the regular season was extend Joe Burrow. Um, I think that same philosophy needs to be uh, the top priority with Jamar Chase uh, this this offseason or leading up into the regular season. Excuse me. Because, you know, we've talked about how much Joe has transformed this franchise, this offense. We didn't start seeing... And, not, and I'm not trying to take any credit away from Joe Burrow uh, by, by saying this, but we did not see this offense fully realize its potential until Jamar Chase came into the locker room. And I think that just speaks in, to how important of a player that he is to the team, to the offense, and they need to extend him uh, uh, as soon as they can. Or, yeah, they, they need to do it before the season starts. Sure. The next decision that we have to make, and I think it's the first one that we found out that Mick and I differ on, but I will put a caveat in mind, and it's for wide receiver two. The franchise tag is there for T. Higgins, and it is $21 million. Mick Nelson, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, are you tagging T. Higgins? Are you letting him walk, or are you signing him to a potential extension? I am letting T. Higgins uh, find his forever home that is not in Cincinnati. Wow. I know. I, 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 I'm sad I'm saying it. But you, you've seen teams do this with expensive and elite quarterbacks. You got to eventually move on from one of your good wide receivers. And you're, you're from really. From your Tyreek Hill. Yeah, you got to move on from Tyreek. You've got to move on from Jordy Nelson. You got to move on from, you know, the, the the Packers were notorious for doing this during the Aaron Rodgers years. Like you saw, like a, you just saw like a constant wave of elite receivers eventually leaving because Aaron Rodgers was one too expensive and too good enough to make a lot of other wide receivers work. Um to keep these guys around for too long. Uh, so yeah, you've got to go, you've got to move on and you should only be paying one elite tier pass catcher. I am, I am tagging T Higgins and what I am doing. And I think it's really interesting to watch with this decision comes is I think I'm tagging him. If anything else, you get one more year, get the boys back together and let's go all in, you know, I kind of use quotation marks on that. And then I, I am very much, I'm not necessarily putting him on the trading block, 
but I'm very much listening to an offer. Like, for example, if Tennessee calls, just, just, just a team, and says, hey, we'll offer you pick number, what, 38, 39, 40, whatever, whatever that, that realm is for T. Higgins. I'm like, hmm, okay. You know, if, if, if that's where I'm starting to think. And there you go, Mick. Let's just say that. Let's say that the Bengals could get an early second-round pick for T. Higgins. But you have to tag and trade. Yes or no? Um, who? Because that's, I mean, that might be his value. that's the best value you're going to get on, in a tag and trade trade. Now, like, if T had, if it wasn't Because you could tag, do that. If he was on with just, like, one, la- one last year in his contract or whatever, and um, I, I would say maybe you could get a first out of him. But since he's playing on the tag, I don't know. I, I, I just think that significantly reduces the value of the trade itself. And if you're going to tag him, you might as well, I don't know, you might as well keep him. Now, if they can get, uh, so early second round, I think is probably the best value you can get, and I would definitely listen to it. Because I think that this there's a, this is another good wide receiver class. You know, just an example, you know, some of those guys who have really fluctuated from first to early second, guy like Keon Coleman from Florida State, you know, somewhere in that realm. He's he's kind of, I've seen him be really anywhere. And those can be some names that we can talk about a little bit more. So let's move on to slot wide receiver, Mick. Wait, are you going to get my wide receiver too? Oh, that's right. I forgot. You're not getting, you, you are, I forgot, you are getting rid of T. Higgins. So who is your wide receiver too? Um, I think that they go into the second round of the draft and get a guy named Devontez Walker from North Carolina. Good pick. Uh, so, yeah, right now he's being billed as a second-round pick. The guy's got a similar um, build as T. Higgins. Uh, he is, well, well maybe a little, little bit shorter, actually. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. So maybe not maybe not as tall as T Higgins, but, but uh, plays the outside. Um, I think he has really good run, route running skills, and I think his run after the catch is really nice. Maybe he's a little more similar to a Jamar that I'm thinking about. That uh, has really good ball tracking. Um, the one thing I really would like to see from him is that um, he's not as good as T. Uh, when it comes to catching balls at the catch point, but I feel like that's something that's really coach that can be coachable. Uh, he just needs to work on being a little more um, physical, I guess. But yeah, I think that that would be a, a, a good second round pick who can be plugged in and in, in, in start immediately and, and thrive under under Joe Burrow. Bengals done a good job, too, in second-round receivers as well over the years. For slot wide receiver, I'll go first on this. I'm going to dip into the third round, and this guy might not be available in the third round, Mick, but I think you know exactly who I'm picking. Oh, yeah, I already know who you're going to pick. I'm going, and I'm going to be a homer. And I'm going to pick the guy from Campbellsville, Kentucky, and Western Kentucky University, Malachi Corley, as the new slot. Listen, this is not, I mean, Mick, all reality, throw out my, my hilltopper bias. I think he'd be a good fit in this offense because I think he also would bring position versatility. Because I, I like the ability to line up Jamar in the slot. 
And I think Malachi Corley could be a guy that they could slot outside at times as well. So I think he'd be a good like Swiss army knife. The one downside to him is I don't know that he brings necessarily elite athleticism at it. He's a great wide receiver. But I think if he's there in the third round for my slot wide wide receiver, I'm jumping on that. And then you can see what you got between him and Charlie Jones for slot receiver. Who are you going for slot wide receiver? Or how do you feel about Malachi Corley? Um, so I, I'm not against it. Um, and I would know, buy and I a jersey draft, today. Yeah. I, I think the draft would be a really good place to, to maybe take a gamble or, you know, foster some competition between Charlie Jones and that person. And I think I, I, I am kind of thinking along the same lines as you, except like, I guess in my situation, I, I'm not extending T or I'm not tagging T. So I'm getting a wide receiver in the second round. So I can't really fill the slot right now. I've got bargain level replacement in there just to see what the cap would be because of it. But in all honesty, I'm giving the, uh, I'm giving the shot to Charlie Jones to um, potentially win that gig as a slot receiver. Uh, And there, there are a couple things that I, I am, thinking about when when making that decision the first is that uh tyler boyd's not your typical slot receiver right uh when people think of a slight slot receiver they think of somebody that is small shifty uh can move uh fairly quickly uh and tyler boyd wasn't that right tyler boyd was a 6-2 rather lengthy slot receiver he wasn't you know quick shifty uh, he was a little more fluid and, you know, and caught the ball at, at the catch point a little bit better than than the than the typical slot receiver. So I think Charlie Jones has a lot of that into his game. And I think that the Bengals drafted him for a reason in the fourth round last year. And I think this is his job to lose. But the problem is we did not see enough of Charlie Jones last year to the point where I don't know where we would feel completely comfortable about it. So Another that's, just, why, I'm saying, uh, that's why I'm saying bargain level replacement. Um, if you can find somebody that that is, you know, that can bring a little bit of competition in, and you have enough money to do so, I think that that's probably the best way to do it. For me, another uh, decision that I was considering, and I thought long and hard about this, was uh, in with my second round pick, picking Lad McConkey out of Georgia. To fit I, into that's that. He is too. more of your, he is more of your, tr- probably your true like slot. Like what you would, if you would roll up and, and do create a slot, he'd probably be that guy. And I went back and forth, but I went with a second round pick that'll be coming up. How about right now with a tight end position? Uh, um, because, yeah, before, before we move on, I want to just say one more thing. Uh, it's, it is very possible too that Jamar could just be moved to the slot. Uh, in, in a, going forward, and they just look for another outside. Um, other that's that's it on the receiver position, but tight end, tight end's important. And who are you going with? I'm taking Jatavion Sanders from Texas in the second round. Uh, if he's there, I, I, I'm Bengals need something with that, and the money where I'm spending it couldn't quite be there for me to to sign somebody. And I think with that, though, I'm also bringing back Tanner Hudson and bringing back Drew Sample, like in the in that realm as well. And then you're kind of getting that in. 
but I mean, you've because there are options out there in free agency for tight end. Are you going to free agency? Yeah, I'm going to free agency. Okay, so I'll let you end. talk free agency. And yeah, um, I so I'm not a fan of this free agent class in tight ends. I think it's pretty weak. There's really only one name that excites me. And who's that? Dalton Schultz, but I'm not sure that Houston lets him go. I don't think Houston lets him go, and I I think he's a little too far out of the Bengals' price range. Exactly. Um, what is he being even valued at? Eight point eight point. Yeah, that's. Uh, I need. I I'm going with somebody a little bit cheaper and somebody that's probably a little more of an unknown. Uh, but my favorite tight end in this draft class for Joe Burrow is Colby Parkinson, tight end out of Seattle. Uh, Colby Parkinson is really tall. He's like 6'7", 250 pounds. Uh, you've heard me complain on this podcast before about the Irv Smith signing and that um, Irv Smith was too small to be uh, an effective tight end for Joe Burrow. You need somebody that is a uh, that is more of a security blanket at that position. That's why you saw Tanner Hudson and Drew Sample getting uh, way more action last year. But the problem with Tanner Hudson and Drew Sample is that they have their limitations. Uh, Drew Sample is not very athletic in terms of his agility and finesse. And Tanner Hudson, um, he's pretty, he's actually decently athletic. He's just like not like crazy athletic, but he does provide really good length. He's not um, Kyle Pitts, but he's also not Bad Moss. Like he's like CJ Uzama. Like he's pretty much got the same build as CJ or Hayden Hurst. Uh, Colby Parkinson's a little bit taller, which I just think would be cool. Like people freak out over Johnny Wilson, the six seven wide receiver. I don't like doing that with a wide receiver, but I'll I'll freak is, out over a six seven tight end any day is, of the week. Is Auden Tate around? Yeah. <laughs> Just get it some uh, into some uh, odd and taint nostalgia for the rest Marcus of the show. Hunt. Let's just throw Mark Marcus Hunt there at uh, dude. At tight end. I thought he was going to be so good at <laughs> at that rusher. Anyways, so yeah, Colby Parkinson would be my guy. I think he would be. Spot Rock has a value at six mil. I just don't see how he would be valued that highly. Uh, it's not like he's done really much in the league at all. Like literally last year had 25 receptions for 247 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so I would think you could probably get him into like an Irv Smith type of deal where, you know, I guess in that kind of prove it situation. But I have him valued at six mil on my spreadsheet, but I just don't see how he's valued that much or that highly. I've seen this question a couple of times with uh, restructuring Joe Burrow's contract, and I think it's hard to restructure a contract when it hasn't even gone into effect yet. That's one thing. Yeah, that it hasn't even begun. He technically, this coming season, will be playing on the fifth-year option. So that's something to keep in mind. Next season, so 2025 season, will be when his contract will come into mind. So most of these decisions aren't even contract or aren't even considering his contract. So for the offensive line, Left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, probably all for the most part solidified. You could potentially see a guard signing in there, but I'm not, you're not going to see them go sign. I think you're going to see a lot of like what they did last year, which was like a lot of depth piece offensive linemen. It may, you could it may see a, a lot of Cody Ford. Yes. You could see a Cody Ford esque guard signing, meaning a guy like that, that is a, he's bounced around the league a little bit and so on. 
So Mick, right tackle is is a void. What are you doing with the right tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals next year? Because you've you've got a couple of options. You've got so, draft pick. You've got a free agent signing. You've got a re-signing in there as well. Yeah. So uh, the uh, route I am going for now is uh, drafting first round draft pick with the right tackle position. Uh, my biggest uh, factor for this is that um, just I did a mock draft recently and I had a right tackle fall to me, you know, so I had a Marius Mims kind of fall. Now we've had some updated rankings. We've had some, some senior bowl come out uh, that could very well change as uh, my, you know, as mock drafts are just going to in general change. So right now I have a Marius Mims that is subject to change. Uh, I don't think you could go wrong with drafting or picking a young free agent. Um, you know, I would I would like to have Jonah back. Um, you know, if a right tackle isn't available in round one, I wonder why you want him back. You're a Jonah lover. Remember it. You're a Jonah lover. <laughs> um. You know, I don't think Jonah's the best right tackle in the world, but I think that it, he could have been a lot worse, especially after transitioning from the left side. You know, you've seen that go wrong for a lot of players. It's it's a really hard thing to do. Um, But I just don't know if I want to spend that much money or lock up that much money on it. Uh, it, it at this point, you know, I think there are two different philosophies of, of these you know, of our, of us GM fan fans out here, there's a lot of them that want to go all in on this season. They think this is the season, uh, to do it. Uh, and then there are others where, you know, I, I, I think that they honestly believe when Joe Burrow says that the championship windows, his whole career. So you need to go at this in a more methodical way in the long term. Of, of building the team and you don't want to be like the bills where <coughs> excuse me you're literally like negative 30 million in cap space and you have to worry about restructuring everybody and you can't go after the players you potentially want to go after and yada 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 so i just and went the on bengals a tangent. Will never be that team the bengals they will, will never, never be that team no. and this is why this is why i will always idolize the way that they run their business because they know they can't just go out and and pull a New Orleans Saints, Mickey Loomis. Isn't isn't it Mickey Loomis? I could be wrong. I think that's the general manager. They can't go out and play and pull a Loomis every year where they're just uh treating the cap like it's a toy. It's it's a it's a thing that constricts NFL teams and it can really make hard for a team to rebound or rebuild or or whatnot. Let's uh for me, my right tackle. I'm gonna go to the free agent market, and this is a guy that I've had marked before all the comments Are you gonna come pop out? out and say what PDJ and Mo and all of them said on their show. Jermaine Illumidor. <laughs> Sam listens to hear that podcast growling. Oh everybody. no, I, I think it at least makes somewhat <laughs> sense that he, he'd be a bargain-ish right tackle. Because I have no faith and I'm not using a first round pick on a right tackle. I, I wouldn't be against two like they brought up on there as well is doing both is, you know, taking a guy like Mims because the downside to a guy like Mims is he does have an injury history and he's raw 
He is. So you never know. You could get a guy like Illuminor or another guy. You know, I don't think George Fant is the right fit in that scenario. But a guy like that, it would be more of your bargain right tackle and so on. And and I mean, and this is why I'm signing it for because of David's point right here. Bengals sucked at drafting offensive linemen. Sucked. Yeah, I mean, Jonah turned out pretty good. I just don't think that they're valuing the offensive linemen as much as they should in the Zach Taylor era. I mean, you look at offensive linemen that got picked. You have one that was picked in round one, one that was picked in round two. Everybody else was picked in round four and later. So three, maybe, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it might not be a, we haven't had any luck of drafting offensive linemen. Right now you're one, you're one for two. Jonah was decent. Jackson Carmen uh, sucks. Um, so. Okay. Alex really Schubert. We, I mean, I think that's just a universal. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not denying that. Um, let's, let's go here quickly. Cause we are running a little bit short on time as well for offensive tackle three. I am bringing back Cody Ford for just I a, am as well. For a minimal cost, I, I think he'd be cheap. I think they trust him and so on. Uh, so I think that's a good spot to go for the offense there. So I think that finishes up our offense. right? And my there. wife loves his uh, girlfriend. On TikTok, right? Tiana, is that her name? TT or something like that, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I don't TikTok. So I'm one of the few people on earth. I downloaded it one afternoon and wasted way too much time. So immediately deleted it because I was like, I do not need more things that could potentially waste time. I've got too much, too many things that I could do that would be better spent with my time. On the defense, so the open spot that we have, you know, your edges are solidified with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, but edge number three. You know, are you seeing the Bengals potentially go to free agency and sign somebody? Are you seeing them use a uh, first or second round pick on another edge guy? Or are you seeing them put the trust in Miles Murphy? And Mick, I am rolling the dice. You used a first round pick on Miles Murphy. You you got to trust him as your edge rusher three. Yeah, you, you, I think uh, you you said cutting Joe was the easiest decision of the offseason. I feel like this is probably the easiest decision of the offseason. And, and and let's face it here, uh, there's a chance Miles Murphy could heavily eat into Sam Hubbard's snaps. I mean, I think that when they drafted them, when they, dra- when they drafted Miles Murphy, they knew they were going to eventually have to move on from Trey or, My- or, or Sam Hubbard. Um, Initially, we thought it was Trey because they had a contract out with Trey uh, last year, or even I get maybe not last year, but this year they had a, they had a huge contract out with them. Uh, they ended up restructuring, adding another year to his deal um, because I think that they realized how much value Trey provides. Um, so there's a good chance he could eat into Sam Hubbard's snack uh, snaps uh, in 2024. And I think that he probably should. Uh, the issue I have with Miles Murphy is that his run game, his run defense isn't nearly as good as Sam Hubbard's. But he is, I think, better at pass rushing than Sam Hubbard is. So It's a give and yeah. take. Yeah, I think, um, I think Miles Murphy is the best choice for edge rusher three. Defensive tackle one, Mick. Oh, God. Here they come. This is where the decisions could make. And you want me so, to start? Here, here's my here's my high ticket item. I'm going to go Christian Wilkins as a Might one tech. Uh, in that like three tech, like in that, and I, I'm almost well. Like, then why not do you even, have him in the 
three tech Vox. The well, to me, I'm one almost tech. getting rid of and like I'm just trying to get faster on that defensive line as a whole. So I'm going to okay. slot Christian Wilkins in there, and I am going to then go to the draft to draft Byron Murphy. Okay. And that's kind of in. That's my first round pick out of Texas. Are you cutting BJ uh, Hill? Strongly considered, but I'm keeping him around. Okay, so your DT3 is going to be uh, what round pick is he? Byron Murphy is kind of in that, like, I'm like doing a morph between those three guys. Okay. Uh, DT1, so this is my nose tackle. And I think you really need a nose tackle in this situation. I think lose defense uh, requires it, essentially. And I would probably go day three for that and just hope, because I don't think, you know, you're not drafting, and like most of those guys don't get drafted in the first two days anyways. Yeah. Um, so and the I problem is, the problem with that is there are really no good day three nose tackles in the draft. This nose tackle class as a whole, drafted free agency sucks. It's pretty it's a bad it's time pretty, to need one. It's pretty terrible. Um, so, you know, if DJ Reader didn't get injured and tear his quad for the third time in his career, I would say resign DJ in a heartbeat. Problem is, he did that. We don't know when he's going to be back in the season. So, you need to find probably somebody that is healthy week one. Uh, my pick is somebody in the similar vein of DJ Reader in terms of age, in terms of where he's at in his career. And that is Daquan Jones, uh, who was most recently with the Buffalo Bills and um, I think played with the Titans for the majority of his NFL career. Uh, and, and Daquan Jones is a one-tech defensive tackle. He has uh, similar size to DJ Reader. He may not be as big, but he's definitely bigger than most defensive tackles in the league. I think he might be a smidge taller. Um has played some really good football in his career. I think he's always been a uh, an above average, good, solid uh, one tech nose tackle. So I am going with Daquan Jones, uh, and he is at five mil. Uh, and then I am picking McKinley Jackson, the defensive tackle, one tech out of Texas A and M in round three. Um, I think you do need to find somebody in the rookie class. You're either going to have to get Tavondre Sweat in the second, which I have my worries about him and his, uh, and his I don't want to say health, but uh, he's very big, uh, a little too big to the point where, like, I don't want him to be in Albert Hainsworth uh, territory, Tyler Shelvin territory where he just can't do anything because he's so out of shape. Uh, McKinley Jackson, I think, would be the only guy in the draft you could really get that could provide uh, meaningful uh, skill to the defense. For linebacker, because I think you're done on D-tackle, right? Yeah. For linebacker, I, Logan Wilson obviously is solidified in there, but the Bengals can cut Jermaine Pratt and save 2.2 against the cap. Mick, I am rolling the dice and hoping that Jermaine Pratt just had a not, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily a bad season, but it wasn't a good, it was, it was a step back from his contract year season. It was a step back from 2022. 
It was a disappointing. It was. I am rolling the dice that he will bounce back, and I'm going to bring back Jermaine Pratt. Also, because 2.2 against the cap really does nothing for me. Like, that's that's not enough money for me to really excite me to cut him. So I'm bringing him back in that realm as well. Are you bringing Jermaine Pratt back, or are you cutting him? I am bringing Jermaine Pratt back. Um, the cap savings are not worth it in terms of the value. Yeah, they're not they're not astronomical. The uh, what's the what's the dead money compared to cap savings? That's the thing I, I usually think it's like four. At. I want to say it's about four. So for Jermaine yeah, Pratt. there's there's no way the Bengals do that. Uh, and especially if they're in the red in terms of the dead money and the cap savings, there's no way they do that. Um. So yeah, I'm keeping Jermaine Pratt. I I think it was a disappointing season. Uh, it was still better than um his first couple of seasons in the league, but not nearly see, as that's, good as last year. That's what kind of worries me is that Jermaine Pratt really has only had one, and I don't even know if I want to use the word great. One, he's been a one season linebacker, and the rest have been. Not what you want. Yeah, I I see your concern there. I guess the one thing twenty twenty one wasn't awful, but twenty twenty two he was great, and that's what kind of is like. Are you a yeah. contract year guy? I don't think it's necessarily that. I think that they relied a lot on the skill of Jesse and Bond in in twenty twenty two and twenty and the and really the the back half of twenty twenty one. Uh, they they relied on those guys to um, kind of be the eyes at the back of their head, as in they kind of knew how far to be back in coverage, uh, where you know what holes they could uh, they should probably plug when uh, the other team's running the ball. And I think that the turnover from the safeties probably affected them more than I think a lot of us thought that they would. I think it's hard to uh, hard to disagree with that either. For linebacker three, I I think I'm bringing back Marcus Bailey in that realm. Yes, I have Marcus Bailey as well. I I, I see this though being a day three pick as well though to compete in that realm. You know, maybe a yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that of of getting him. I know David has been uh, commenting here. He had a comment earlier that I'm going to try to find really quick about getting quicker at that linebacker position, which I think is is accurate. Uh, it's yeah. not like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are over here as elite athletes at the linebacker position, especially when you look around the league, that there are some really, really quick ones. So I think that is a interesting point there. So I think Marcus Bailey would be my linebacker three for the Bengals next year, especially because he'll be cheap. And I'll tell ADG, appreciate it, but can't stay healthy. We can't afford to keep you around. Yeah, and then that's pretty much the reason why I decided to move on from ADG as well. It's just we can't, you need to have somebody that's, one, I mean, those guys are going to have to contribute on special teams. Um, And then, yeah, you need them, you need them to stay healthy. For the cornerback position here, as we're starting to close down in this, uh, I'm going... Cam Taylor, Britton, DJ Turner is my starting corners. I think you, 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 you got to almost roll the dice in them. I considered signing somebody, and it would not shock me if the Bengals do end up signing them, but the money didn't end up working for me. And 
I go like a day three pick slash DJ Ivy as my cornerback three. I don't love that. It worries me. But money wise, I I didn't know where else to take my money. So uh, I'm going to the free agent market for my cornerback three. In uh, my guy, his name is Isaac Yidem. Uh, from do you do you know where he's from? New England. No. Who? Uh, he is from New Orleans. He is from okay. the New Orleans Saints. I think he was like their cornerback two or cornerback three. He is a free agent this year. He is 6'1", uh, 190 pounds. So I think that pretty much translates to an outside corner. Um, and he's had he he's had a pretty decent season this season. Um, he has kind of bounced around the league in his career. He started off with the Broncos, wasn't very good there. Uh, played for the Giants, it wasn't really good there. Then the Packers wasn't the greatest there. Then the Texans wasn't good at any of those places. And then he goes to the Saints and has a, a pretty good uh, season. Uh, had an 81.1 um, coverage grade or defensive grade, uh, which is uh, one of the better uh, grades in the league. Um, I think provided meaningful uh, play to the Saints secondary. Uh, he's in a similar secondary as uh, or a similar defensive scheme in New Orleans as it is to lose. Um, and the reason why I want to put more or spend more on this is because I wasn't all that encouraged from what I saw from DJ Turner in his rookie year. And, you know, that's not for me to say that I don't have faith that DJ Turner can be a really good corner in this league. Uh, but there were some flaws in this game. I think, in his game that are kind of glaring. Uh, the fact that he is not physical with other corners um, in terms of uh, defending the ball at the catch point is, is alarming to me. That's something that, you know, he's able to catch, keep with, keep up with receivers. Good. But, uh, you know, is it came to Britt? Is like it, that's, Sam that's, Taylor Britt's got the had the exact opposite problem last year. I exactly, guess. where he was almost too physical, and he, he, he would get physical. beat. Yeah, and he would get burnt at times. Uh, but yeah, if you're asking me what I'd rather have, I'd rather have what Cam Taylor Britt does over what DJ Turner does. So I think they are going to have to find somebody uh, that is, that can play and and play really good defense. Uh, if DJ Turner doesn't make that year two jump for the safety position. And this is, this is an interesting decision. And it's one that I want to come back to as well. When I, when I mention of the, of another option for T Higgins, I'm rolling with Hill and battle on this side of this right now. I, I don't necessarily love it, but I'm rolling with Hill and battle. Yes. I am also doing the same. Uh, I feel like, Oh, and then I forgot. Forgot we get to cut somebody again, Mick. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I also have the same thing you have done. I forgot to talk about that. Tyson Anderson, right? No, <laughs> no, no. Mick Scott and I love that we were just talking. You know, oh Jermaine Pratt saving two point two mil against the Caps, really not worth it. Mick Scott two point three against the Cap, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. it. I mean, one, I hate Nick Scott. 
Wow, that's a strong word. Okay, I don't hate him. I hate the way he plays He's probably football. a nice guy, man. Yeah, no, he seems like a really cool guy in the locker room. So I don't want to say I hate Nick Scott. Um, as a you person, don't like it when he's a, on the field. Guy. Yeah, I hate the way he plays football. It it's not very good. So, yeah, I'm cutting Nick Scott. Um, and you're going Hill in battle, right? Yeah, and, and, and the, I guess the difference between that and the Jermaine Pratt situation is that one, we've seen elite play from Jermaine Pratt at one point, and two, we don't have an in-house replacement for Jermaine Pratt if we want to move on from Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, no, and I'm more, I'm more just laughing at at the it's not hypocrisy by us, but it's it's just kind of funny when you look at the numbers that we were making that point with it. Uh, for special teams, I mean, I think we're both in agreement for McPherson. I'd be fine if a if a extension is done. I think it's probably deserved for him, but I think the question of the special teams is what are you doing at punter? Uh, I'm keeping Brad Robbins for one more season and hoping he progresses. Did you tell that to our neighbor in season tickets? Uh, no, um, but, I, I, you know, don't I also, think... that's also part of my motivation is that I needed to hear him in his, in his cries, like his, uh, he, he, we have a guy that sits in the section next to us and literally anytime Brad Robbins punts the ball, it doesn't matter if it's a, a good punt or a bad 75 punt. yard punt. It, he, he could unleash one. He just screams so loud he just goes robbins you suck at the top of his lungs and i love it it's hilarious. <laughs> it's a little more high-pitched uh but yeah <laughs> and i'm i'm doing a i put in here rookie but what i mean more is get an undrafted guy to come in and compete what what's the story with matt Areza? is he blackballed for is he blackballed I, to be honest with you, I don't know enough about that case. I don't know either. Have I, an opinion. It sounded like it was really bad. He got cut from the bills, but then he was the acquitted tr- on everything. Yes. Um, and, and that's why I don't really want to say anything because I really don't know enough about it. I don't even, know enough and, about and it either. Those. So I, I don't know. I mean, listen, maybe that's the guy. I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt I, it. I, I feel I, like he's blackballed from the, re- from the league for a reason. I just don't know. Correct. I'm sure somebody will give him a chance. I can't imagine the Zach Taylor Bengals giving him a chance. No. Ten years ago, he'd have been here. He'd have been here six weeks ago. <laughs> hey, Marvin would never move on from Kevin Huber. I guess you're right. Yeah, no, you're right on that. The one, the the point I wanted to make here to kind of wrap us up here as we're going through this mock off season was the T Higgins decision. Mick, you did not tag T Higgins. So, how much cap space do you have left in yours right now? Um, so I feel like this isn't like the most accurate thing in the world because it's, it's at least a, it's a, it's a rough guess. Like there's certain bench player free agents that just don't get factored into this that I would bring back. Like Drew Sample on top of Cody Ford. Yeah. 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 So Drew, Drew Sample and Tanner Hudson, I would bring them back. Um, in addition to Cody Ford, I would bring Max Sharping back. Um, so there's just instances like that i would maybe bring trayvon williams back to be uh to be rb3 so there are just some similar instances like that so i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it it says 18.8 mil in my money available you've got a decent amount still left but it's really more like 13.8 mil because of those other bench guys 
Yeah. I, so my point with this, and I and I've said this I said this a little while earlier, is that um, I believe it when Joe Burrow says the window is his whole career, and if the front office plays this the way that they honestly usually play this, they can keep a team, uh, a good team on the field um, for many years to come if they play this really smart. So here, here's what I'm saying is let's say the Bengals, uh, okay, I'm playing the tag and trade. Let's say Tennessee, let's just say whoever's picking 40th in the draft, we'll just say that, Who I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Let's just say they call and they say, Hey, we'll offer you the 40th pick, 39th, 38th, 41st, whatever it is. In in that early second round pick for T. Higgins, and I say yes. Let's just say that for the for the sake of discussion. My, my question is, sorry, before, sorry to cut you off. Who's taking the cap hit on a tag? That and would trade? be that would be though they lose that. So the Bengals would not have to pay that money then. They wouldn't. So the, they tw- wouldn't the 21 would hit. then go. It's a full like okay. transfer with okay. that. Um, so just to put that into perspective. And again, this is just an example. I, in that process, then added like Tyrone Smith as a starting right tackle. You know, just as an example, you can you can pay a closer to upper echelon right tackle for that position. You can also keep one of those good, get into that elite defensive tackle position. But then if you wanted, take cornerback three, make that Dax Hill and sign. We talked about it last week, Mick. A guy like Antoine Winfield. Again, will he get out of Tampa Bay? I don't know, but I know Tampa Bay's cap situation I don't believe is in is an ideal position. They not, might not be able to, especially if they're going to have to pay Baker, whatever they're going to have to pay Baker. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those things of you have to make the decision. And with that early second-round pick, you could say, okay, let's just use Keon Coleman as an example, just as an example. So it would be one of those things, do you want – T. Higgins, first round right tackle, or first round right tackle, and Dax Hill is your safety, just an example, or Antoine Winfield, Tyrone Smith, and Keon Coleman. And it's kind of that that discussion point of is it worth just trading him for a potential second round pick to pick up a receiver in that realm and then spending that 21 mil on a safety or a corner or a three tech or Chris Jones. I don't think Chris Jones is the answer, but but in that realm of something like that, or Dalton Schultz. Honestly, I, I, I could make Dalton Schultz work with the with you the could. money available. You could. And I also I just, do want to take I did appreciate what Mo Egger on here that podcast growling said. What his idea was is he ended up having six hundred thousand dollars left. So his idea was is that he was gonna call somebody in Athens, Georgia. Pay him five hundred thousand dollars to get into a bar fight with Brock Bowers <laughs> to make his draft I stock drop. And I was like, "Yes, yes, let's make it happen." Pull a Tyler Higby, pull a Tyler Higby, and get into a bar fight like a month before the draft. Wait, do you think that was an intentional dig at, at Tyler Higby? That I highly doubt he even remembers that Tyler Higby. The only reason I, I know is because it like I was at WKU when it happened, and so like I've heard all of the stories just about what happened and all of that. But listen, Brock Bowers will not be there at 18. But my goodness, if he was. So I did a I did part of a mock yesterday, but then I got a bunch of updated rankings from the senior bowl. So I just trashed it. But uh I had Jerzon Newton 
in round one. Illinois. Uh, which, if that happened, I would, one, I'd be cutting B.J. Hill uh, immediately. Yeah, you cut B.J. Hill, and you're saving seven and a half mil. Yes. Um, now, where are, you sending, where are you spending that seven and a half mil? Maybe that goes towards, uh, maybe Don't that show. helps. I was going to say Dalton Schultz or maybe just uh, giving T the tag money and then you can, you know, address, you know, a third cornerback or a nose tackle or whatever. Um, so, yeah, Newton available would be great. Um, but I just don't. I, I'd say it's more likely they're going with the right tackle um, just because of where these guys are going to be you know, how many quality round one tackles are going to be available at, at pick number 18. Absolutely. And I think it'll be really interesting to see with it. That is our mock off season as free agency starts here in just about a month. A lot will change over this next month. And then obviously in those first couple of days of free agency, it'll be really interesting to see what will happen. Any uh, closing thoughts on that, Mick, or you want to move the uh, shift, gear, shift gears here I and mean, talk a little Super Bowl? Um, no, I mean, if you if you haven't used the spreadsheet, uh, find out a way to download it and uh, and have some fun with it. It's really it's yeah, really it's, a fun way to do something there. Yeah, it's fun to spend. It's is it perfect? No, uh, it's just fun to spend thirty minutes on and just play around with it because there's all the different options. But it just shows you as to how difficult it is and how difficult of an off season it is for the Bengals and all of the different decisions that they have to make this year with everything that goes goes along with it. Uh, Mick, expectations for the Super Bowl on Sunday? Um, I am going to have some beverages. And that, that's uh, all you got? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. And I hate that I'm kind of like this because I know it's going to be a really good game and I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I've never been more disinterested in a Super Bowl in the entire time I've watched football. The last time I was this disinterested was probably Eagles Patriots uh, number two, part two. Um, 17? Yeah, 2017, just because uh, if this reminds me, the 2023 season has been somewhat similar to the 2017 season because you saw a bunch of quarterbacks, star quarterbacks go down. Uh, the playoffs shake out probably in the worst way. Not the worst. I guess 2017, the playoffs shook out a little bit better because you saw just Case Keenum and, and Blake Bortles almost make a Super Bowl. Um, But it's just like, honestly, I was kind of tuned out in championship weekend. I know the Lions were in the NFC championship, but like the Ravens-Chiefs matchup, I just didn't interest me at all. Um. And I wonder if just because we're spoiled now, right? Is it, is it because we, we've been used to playoff football the past couple of years and, and success in the playoffs and we just don't care about any of these other teams that are in it? Or is it just like, I don't know. I we've think it's a lot, Chiefs Chiefs. Yeah. a lot of Chiefs apathy. Yeah, A lot of Chiefs-Niners apathy, I think, is the <laughs> biggest the thing. the same apathy the Patriots have had for... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, who you got winning? I'm rooting for the Niners, but I'm Same. picking the Chiefs. To be different, I'll pick the Niners. Uh, Christian McCaffrey wins MVP. 
Oh, I'm giving I'm giving my man Brock MVP. I'm giving so Chase Young giving Chase Young MVP because uh he's gonna so he, get benched for being lazy. So you're, pick, you're picking you're picking the Chiefs, but saying Brock's gonna win MVP. No, if I had to pick somebody on the Niners, oh, I, I see really would saying. I real I would hope you, Brock would get MVP. Um, Chiefs MVP. Um, yeah, I mean it's Mahomes. I don't know who else. I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna go with Swift, Taylor Swift. What? What? It shocked me, right? He's gonna pull a Kanye. Uh, that w- which was pulled on her. Yeah, on no, Usher in the middle of the Super Bowl halftime show. That's and uh she's gonna save all of humanity by doing that. Remember to follow us on our social media channels. We're on Twitter at Jungle Juice Pod, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Uh, we are also on your favorite podcasting platform. You can follow us there so you don't have to miss a single episode, Spotify, iTunes, all of the different ways that we have for you to listen. So make sure you do it that way as well. Mick, it's been fun. Any parting thoughts? Um, not really. No, go out and enjoy the uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, yeah. hope you have be safe. a good. Yeah, be safe. Uh, hope you have a good time watching it. Absolutely, Mick. We'll see you next time on the next edition of Jungle Juice Who Day. Who Day? Thanks for watching.